The Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast is sponsored by Church Comm Team. Whether you're starting from scratch or you're trying to grow, Church Comm Team can help you with your communications at your church. Go to churchcomteam.com and request a free consultation today. We feel like that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better because of everybody's participation there. Church Online is not a a Hebrews 10 issue, it's a Mark 16 issue, where Jesus says, go into all the world and and preach the good news. A big part of how we define success moving forward is to recognize that the people online have value and they are truly members of our congregation. Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? So, hey, why are we going back to that again? I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute, like, this is where you have the chance to fail forward. So, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Hybrid model church. What does that even mean? And how in the heck are we supposed to pull it off when we do figure out what it means? Many hear this term and immediately believe they can't do most of it, whatever their version of it is. Whether it's a leader in the way or a lack of funds or manpower, there are real barriers to a hybrid model of church ministry, especially the worship service and small groups portion that many churches struggle to overcome. And so while we can't help you with money or manpower here at this podcast, we can address some of the doubts and some of those other issues. And recently, there was an idea for a conference that panned out in September of 2021. Ryan Wakefield at Church Marketing University, along with several others who helped out, like Ministry Designs, Text and Church, Church Communications, came together to create an all-bets-are-off version of what hybrid church could be. I remember talking to Ryan about this over a plate of barbecue that I thought this was an incredible idea and definitely wanted to be part of it, so I got to go. No one could tell us no, and we just kind of went for it. We tried things that no one else could try, and why? To see if they work, to show others what could be done, to dream. And it was an incredible learning experience along the way. Our guest today is a good friend of the show and to me personally. He's here to tell us all about what went well, what went not so well, and what we learned about the hybrid model of worship in real time. Ryan Wakefield is the founder of Church Marketing University, where he helps churches all over the world get more visitors each week. He and his wife, Amy, and daughter, Caitlin, are part of Summit Park Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Ryan loves good barbecue joint and knows that Texas barbecue is the best of all barbecue. So please welcome Ryan Wakefield. Oh, man. Good to be here. Texas barbecue is so good, man. We've shared some good barbecue, (laughs) some good memories. That conversation was at Q39 in Kansas City, and I'm ready to go back. But I would happily go back to uh, some of the places you've taken me down in Texas. So either way, man, we can't lose. Yeah, man. I make the jokes, but it was good in KC. I really wanted to try that. We came through on vacation and I was like, hey, man, take me to a place. (laughs) And you did not disappoint. It was really good, good, good times. How are you, man? Man, good. Excited about this conversation. You know, this has been something that in the church world we've been trying to figure out for a while. And so it's not something that we've got all the answers, but man, we're happy to pioneer and dream and hopefully help churches figure out what this looks like moving forward. 
Yes. And, and that's, and it is exciting. I was happy to go to this conference and uh, I know that we're going to get into like what we learned, what we didn't learn. We're going to go through it, kind of uh, give you the, the breakdown of uh, the debrief, I should say, of, of what, 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 what it did was. Um, but uh, we're asking leaders about this hybrid model all over the place. And uh, we just did a podcast right before this that if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it with Jason Moore, who does a webinar about hybrid models and how to do it. We talked a lot about theories and, you know, what he's seeing and things like that. In this podcast, I want to talk about what we did and we're trying to make it actually happen. We're asking leaders who've been putting on in-person programming to embrace the digital side of things and, and bring it in, integrate it to worship. This conference kind of was the opposite for you. You've been doing a lot of digital stuff, Zoom meetings. You've had a virtual company almost for a long time with a lot of real people, of course. But then you had to do an in-person event like a, like a church service would be. So uh, how did it go? How do you like it? Doing the Man, it was, it was a ton of fun. And I think that's a good observation is that, you know, a lot of times wherever you start out, that is what your mindset is. And it's hard to get outside of that, that box. And so for the American church, I know we've been in the box of in-person service for a long time. What we've come up with is designed for in-person, normally kind of larger auditoriums. And, and so now when you start adding in digital, the mix, it's hard to really bring it in, in such a way that honors both mediums really well. And so for us to come at it from, we're used to digital, we're used to meeting people. And a lot of my best friends are because of digital and hanging out with people and starting relationships, conversations, community, all that happening online, the in-person stuff is weird for us. So like now we're coming at it from that direction. So yeah, we were trying to bring what we perceive as the strengths of digital in alongside the in-person experience and see if we couldn't come up with something that honored both experiences, did it really well and did it in such a way that was simple. You didn't have to have a big team. You didn't have to have a lot of production. You didn't have to do anything crazy, nothing that a, you know, a church plant couldn't do. And so we tried to accept all the limitations of no money, no team, no, you know, all those, those excuses that typically get in the way for, of trying things and then said, okay, if we didn't have any of that, what could we create? And that service and, and the kickoff the conference was what we came up with. Yeah. What was the what was the burden for you? I mean, in as we were talking about this, you were telling me about it. And I could tell like you've been thinking about this for a while. And I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. This sounds like a really great idea. You know, anything really sounds great, though, over the bar- plate of barbecue. But still, like I was like, this is a good idea. I want in on this. Let me know how I can help. And so what what sparked it? Like, where's that idea kind of come from? And what was the burden for you? It actually was an idea that came the year prior of the conference. And I remember once that conference was done, our first ever church marketing conference, just sat there and was super pumped about the ideas and what we had communicated and how we helped churches, but very, very frustrated that we talked a lot about a lot of theory, like, hey, pastors, you could be doing this and try that and do this. And everybody was fired up, but they walked away being like, oh, I don't know if we could do that. I don't even know what that looks like. And so I, I just started almost like wanting to pull my hair out and be like, I just want to show everybody what this looks like. And I know pastors and churches are very visual and they got to almost experience it. And unfortunately, a lot of times it takes a famous mega church doing something for us to be like, oh, let's all go copy that. And so until we can like touch it, feel it, sense it, experience it, a lot of times we just don't get it. It's like we go to a conference, see a session, be like, oh, that sounds cool. Don't know what that means or looks like. So uh, back to our regular routine. And, and so we wanted, you know, first 
there wasn't anything out there like that. Nobody was, I felt like really truly innovating. And I, I think our megachurch models are terribly wrong for where we need to go, especially for most normal sized churches. And so, man, I, that's another great observation because I have been super frustrated and just wanted to show pastors, Hey, all the stuff we've been talking about, this is what it could look like. And it's not that hard. It's not that difficult, you know? And so that's where that passion and that, I think that a lot of that angst came from. Did you happen to see, this is going to air way after this happens, but this week, Life Church dropped some images and videos about a service they did in Metaverse, like a completely a, a VR version of church which is completely new, which is kind of like what you're saying. It's like, let's show what this could be like rather than just give the theory of let's, let's tell them how to do it. And then here's how to do it. Go do it, figure it out. It was a show note. Don't tell kind of place kind of thing. And it was fascinating. It was, it was really interesting. I didn't see it. In fact, I've actually like the last few years, I, I know this may sound weird, but I intentionally don't try to follow a whole lot because I don't want to be limited by somebody else's, perspective or box. So I like to be just kind of inspired. I, I think there's a lot of cool things that can be done. I think what we were uniquely trying to do though, is present a path forward that wasn't overwhelming. Cause a lot of times you might hear metaverse and you know, you've got a pastor in their sixties that is thinking about, man, I just was so close to retiring on the golf course. And now I got to figure out the metaverse <laughs> and we're all wearing headsets and like I give up. So I wanted to show a path forward that a six, 60 plus year old church planner with no tech experience, no team, no budget could see it and be like, oh, I could do that <laughs> and, and be like, OK, yeah, like, let's do that. So I, that was a little bit different, but I would love I love that stuff. I also love the innovating, the, the cutting edge type stuff. So I'll, I'll go check it out, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think it was very just very similar to what you're trying to do in that, you know, there's a we wanted to show people kind of what could be done. What could be, it's like dream with us for a moment, you know, here. And uh, that's what I loved about the conference and and what you were doing with it. So in making this conference happen and and doing that, you had some rules. We need to talk about a couple of rules. One of the rules where if you're here, you have a job. Another one of the rules where if we do it live, we do it online somehow too. Yep. Uh, What were some of the other rules and what were the thinking? What was the thinking behind some of that? Yeah, we, we basically had these guidelines that, you know, we were the non-negotiables for us. And so that you've mentioned a a couple of those and we just, again, we wanted to go in a couple of others were like, if a church plant couldn't do it, we weren't going to do it. If it required a big budget, we didn't have lights. We didn't have a big worship team. We didn't have a whole lot of, you know, so we, we basically had all these ground rules. So we created something that could be an example and a path forward for just about any church out there. And yeah, like you mentioned a couple of things we didn't, we, we said, Hey, if you use the word, if you use anything that puts one of the experiences as a passive audience, like that's like the cuss jar for us. Like you owe money. So if you said the word audience, we're like, Nope, like you can't do that. Like we wanted to engage everybody. So we, we would call it, Hey, the in-person and the digital experience. And we said, Hey, if you're going to, like you said, if you're going to do, if you're going to come up with something that's cool in person, then what is the digital equivalent of that? So we didn't want either experience to feel like, Oh, that part of the experience wasn't created with me in mind. So we wouldn't say, Hey, turn to your neighbor and give them a, you know, cool thing that the pastor says, like, 
if that couldn't be ported over to both experiences, because from start to finish, we wanted everybody who was worshiping with us to think, oh, this was an experience designed with me in mind and everything made sense about it from that perspective. And so those were a lot of the ground rules. Again, your your crew can go check it out and kind of see if we live by those. Uh, but <laughs> but there were a few others, but those were the major ones. Yeah, I remember that. You can't say audience. You can't call them an audience online. Uh, if you're watching, you can't say watching online. That was, I know I messed that up a couple of times because <laughs> it's so hard. It's like if we're in the world of like, we do a service in the room and then we stream that for everyone else at home to watch. And it's not really for them. It's for the people who are in the room. And so having to think through like, how do we turn these elements of the service into something that we can do in both places? That was hard. Yep. Yeah. And in one hand, it was hard. And in the other hand, if you just took time to think it through, it wasn't all that much different to really honor those guidelines. So on one sense, it was like, it's hard because we're just so stuck in the mindset of in, in-person experience. But if you're like, okay, well, how could we simply rephrase that so everybody can participate? Right. And then that was like, and then I also thought it was refreshingly biblical from start to finish, meaning we feel like and very passionate that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better because of everybody's participation there. It's the parts of the body analogy that we see in scripture that everybody has a role to play. And so from, from the in-person experience to the digital experience, we were trying to say nobody here is existing outside the body. Everybody is bringing something to the table. And because they are there worshiping and gathering with us, the experience is better. So if you were there in person, you had a job to play, meaning you created a better experience because you were there in person. And if you were there digitally, you brought something to the table as well. So we truly were going back to the, what the Bible says that we all bring bring something to the table. Nobody is put in the balcony of a, of a worship service as just a spectator. Everybody is creating a better experience. Everybody is a part of the body. And we really, really were adamant about that, that this was going to be an experience that we want everybody to participate in from start to finish. It's designed for that. And, uh, and the cool thing is like we, and the big aha for me is like, with churches, you get what you design for. And so if you're designing for an experience that's in-person that that engages people in person, you're going to get that. And if you don't think through your experience at all from the digital perspective, you're not going to get any engagement. You're not going to get any participation. You're not going to get people jumping in. And so you really get what you design for. And we wanted to design for a very highly engaging experience. Yeah. And I, I, I loved that about that experience is that it felt like we were all doing this together. We all had a little piece of the vision. We had a, we had our own spot to fill to contribute to what we were doing together as a church body. And it really was powerful in that sense. And, and it brought together a lot of people that probably had a lot of differing views about many different aspects of, you know, whether how to worship, what the Bible says about different things, even political views. I mean, everything was mismatched in there and didn't really matter. And, and I think it didn't matter because we didn't have time to worry about that. We were so focused on worship on creating environments for worship and creating uh, and ourselves being part of it, being part of that worship experience. It's like it actually by the process of uh, is a diffusion where you put something in a, in a, in a cup and just keep pouring until everything gets out of it, that it just kind of pushes everything out. 
and that didn't matter. And it was, it was left kind of pure. So I, I loved that about it. And I felt that as well when we were there that, um, you know, even though I didn't know people, I'm rubbing shoulders with some of, some of the people and doing something really big with them. And uh, I didn't have time to really wonder or care what they thought about certain aspects, which, you know, you will eventually, but still it was, it was really nice. It was refreshing. Yeah, there were a plethora of denominations uh, represented in the room. We have no clue what they were, but that was that was a really cool thing. It's like, regardless of your background, I grew up in a Pentecostal church in Oklahoma. I mean, there was all people from all over the spectrum, both in person and digitally. And it really didn't matter. No one. It was we were all creating something. and Everybody brought something uniquely to the table. And that was beautiful. It really was beautiful to see. Everybody at the experience could participate in ministering to one another, um, regardless of whether where you were at or what your background was or what you even believed. It was a unique experience that was better because everybody was there. And nobody, like you said, nobody was wondering, like, hey, what denomination? Hey, what the background is this church? It was just like, man, we are all creating an experience together. Do you think that that itself might be a little bit of a threat about this? Is that you might have a multi-view congregation that people might like leaders, pastors, you know, people thinking about this hybrid model. Do you think that might be a fear of like having that multiple view and like maybe not even wanting that? Yeah. I think anytime you give up control, like we're control freaks in the church, right? Especially church leadership. Anytime you give up control and you <laughs> empower other people for the work of the ministry, uh, that creates a sense of threat or fear. Like what's going to happen if that, I mean, like, for example, we had a prayer time where you could get prayer in, in person or, or digitally and everybody was praying for everybody, like in the comments of like, you put a prayer request. So now like you're empowering other people to pray. Like, what if they don't type it out right? Or what if like their theology isn't perfect in the comments? Like, did we screen that person to be an altar worker, right? Did they have a badge? You know, so like you're giving up control. And so sure, that's going to be a threat. That's a little bit. But again, I think it's just such a refreshing just to empower other people, even if it's not perfect, you know, to send them out, <laughs> yeah, empower uh, them for ministry. The second that a, that a, that a Pentecostal prays in tongues over a Baptist, it's going to be all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and watch that happen in the comment section, yeah, right? Yeah, that'll be so, fun. That'll be good yeah. times. But uh, I, I thought that was beautiful as well. You're right. It is kind of a threat. It's the control. But I felt like it was something that can be guided and not controlled. And, you know, even still there's, you know, because we just did it once, you know, like we're all flying in from all over the place to make this one big thing happen and then we're leaving. So it was a mock church. It wasn't really a real church, but it was real church in the sense that we worship together. When, when you're thinking about those elements that happened in the service, going back to kind of the making sure they work for in-person and online uh, at the same time, elements like worship have struggled to translate to the live stream and elements of the sermon, like you have to kind of worry about the length or how it's presented. What kind of stuff were you guys thinking about when you were planning that ser those service elements to make it work for both? Yeah, I think big takeaway for me is complexity is not your friend. Um, so anything you can do to ruthlessly eliminate complexity, it's going to work in your favor. And so we didn't have a big worship team because, again, think about it. How did we get to where we are in American church modern day? We're thinking, how do we lead worship in these big auditoriums, big stages, bright lights, lots of teams, lots, lots of complexity. And so that's what, how we designed our worship experience. Now, if you were going to design worship for a living room, 
man, you would design it totally different. Like how awkward would it be to come over, Seth, you come over, you play the guitar, come over to my living room. You bring 12 of your best friends. You bring all these lights, you bring a huge stage. You set everything up in my living room. It's like, it would not translate. And so again, that we wanted to create a, uh, an experience that would make sense. So like, if you were going to do worship in the living room, right, you're thinking about an acoustic guitar, which again, it plays great even in an auditorium. So like just stepping back and be like, okay, what could we do that, that really creates creates a balance between the two, right? And if you have simplicity, right, your mix isn't, your audio mix isn't all awkward on one and, and not the other, right? And so like every time you can simplify things and think through, okay, what is the greatest common denominator that we could create that would make sense in both experiences, you're going to win. So eliminate complexity. Do you need to be on all the platforms? No. Do you need to be YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, uh, you know, your online church, your website, your, you know, like, no, 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 no. Like, simple is your friend, like one platform where you can be present. And so like, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing is eliminate complexity and it's going to solve a ton of your problems. The more simple you can make it, the better. And you had somebody on like the chat for the online space, right? You had somebody monitoring that, talking to people during that, right? Well, yeah, we had like volunteers, you know, that would be that again, it's kind of the same thing. If you're going to have a volunteer hospitality team in person, what is the equivalent of that digitally? Right. But then also the big thing was not necessarily like one person. It was like everybody's job to be in the chat. So if you were there in person, you were also participating digitally as well. So there was a lot of times where we encouraged everybody. We kicked off the service not with a countdown. Please don't kick off your service with a countdown. We kick off to the service <laughs> with a fun trivia game. As in, and we encourage everybody there in person, uh, jump, pull out your phone, jump on, which by the way, is a great opportunity to invite somebody to worship with you during the trivia, right? So we make it, we harness the, the upside of both experiences. And now, now the in-person experience is hanging out and getting to know the digital experience. We're participating and engaging and inviting people to come with us. And we get everybody from the very, in, in a very low, hanging fruit way, engaging, right? So now like if you can't get them to play along and answer a trivia question, you're probably not going to get them to awkwardly like raise their hand at the altar time. And, and so like we started that idea. So, so it wasn't just one person's job to be like, Hey, you answer the comments. It was like, like that goes back to this whole idea. If you are here in person, one of your big roles is to help us create an amazing digital experience. Like you are, everybody here has a job to play. And because you are here in person, the digital experience is way better. Your friends, you get to hang out and converse and meet people and pray for people and, and go on a, this discipleship journey with people. And so we kind of really tried to eliminate this idea of like, oh, you know, maybe even official roles or one person's job. I mean, we had that, we had people monitoring inboxes, you know, and that type of stuff, but it was more about empowering people to do ministry with other people. Right. You have to have some kind of like leadership champion over it that kind of directs it because there needs to be some kind of direction and guidance to what we're doing. But at the same time, so having your phones out in church, kind of a lot of adults feel like that's a no-no and, and you know, encouraging it to be part of that community feels very different than what we're used to. And so that itself is one of the ways that like thinking hybrid is not making people feel guilty about having their phone out during the service. Can I give pastors a little bit of a, a funny insight anyway? Sure. Is like, 
when you're doing your announcements time or doing your service, like people have their phone out, like it might be down below their chair where you can't see it, but they're like announcement time. I was there hanging out some park church this last uh, few weeks. And like during announcement time, like there's so many people just going through stories and it's like, they're on their phone anyway. <laughs> you might as well make it into a ministry tool. Yeah. Put the and, announcements and, there. <laughs> right. And, and then, in fact, that was one of the biggest questions. Well, that is a great, brilliant app idea. I was thinking during an announcement, everybody should be going through stories with like call to action links right there. So if they want to give or participate or sign up, man, they're everybody's. So take that downside and harness it. But in going back to, to that original question about kind of the fear of having people pull out their phones, that was one of the questions that we got. Uh, right after that experience. And in fact, we polled the in-person experience and we said, hey, what did you guys think about that? Uh, you know, we actually get, have them, hey, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I would say about 98% of the room gave us a thumbs up that that part of the experience actually made it more enriching for them to be able to pray. A lot of people who said, hey, I'm a little bit more introvert. And so I have a hard time maybe verbally and audibly saying amen or preach it. Like they were participating in the comments. It really gave them a method and in a, in a way to do more ministry and actively participate and, and bring people into the conversation and the experience. And, and so it was a, that was a little bit of surprise to me is how much the in-person experience loved pulling out their devices as a way to do ministry during the experience. Yeah, man. I'll tell you, I was one of those. I, I feel a lot more bold and a lot more comfortable when I am typing something out online than I do in person. I'm never going to shout amen in a service. I'm just not that guy. I'm not going to do it. It makes me feel uncomfortable, literally, when people do it. Because I'm like, shh, we're supposed to be quiet. <laughs> I grew up in the Baptist church. We get in trouble for that, you know? So I, I was like, I'm not comfortable with that. And I don't know if I'll ever be. But like in a, in a, in a chat, oh, everyone needs to know my opinions in a chat. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's my, that's my, Love language is chat. So I was, I was very comfortable with that part too. I really liked that as well. So let's get into the, to the, what, what we learned and what, what went well, what didn't go well. And then I want to hear some more feedback uh, that you might've gotten, but what went well and why do you think it went well? Yeah, I, I think going back to that, those guidelines and those ground rules that we, we talked about, I felt like that really helped us. It, kind of the whole idea of come up with something that makes sense with both experiences. That seemed to be something that we pulled off. We put an emphasis on kids ministry. I, I think that that helped pastors and churches see the upside of that. Yeah, because you were the senior pastor, but you weren't there that day because you were volunteering in kids ministry. Yeah, that was right? the thing is like, yeah. And so we kind of did this fun deal where we just were encouraging, you know, like churches investing in the next generation. And so we I wish we would have, that would have been something I wish we would have done more of is, is in really show more of what kids ministry could look like, have more young people, you know, spread throughout the entire experience from start to finish. We did that a little bit. Um, but if I, that would be something I would change probably if I could go back and do it um, different. We did, I, we got a lot of great feedback on both how relational the experiences were, you know, were, uh, I think a lot of great feedback on, you know, again, going back to that conversation about encouraging digital devices during the in-person experience, what a lot of pastors fear could be a distraction. Everybody felt like it actually helped their attention and helped in, enrich the experience, uh, helped them, you know, learn, deepen their learning, right. And understanding of where we were trying to take them. So I thought that was cool. I thought, you know, a lot of stuff that we did because of that ground rule of we weren't going to do it like a, a, 
mega church or have a huge budget, ton of production. So we had limitations. Like for our video announcements, we did them all like vertical selfie style. Think much more like TikTok than a professional TV commercial. Got a lot of great feedback on on that. Um, you know, and and just hey, here's an example that would actually improve uh, the way you're communicating, and it's easier to pull off. You don't need a huge budget. It, and you had Chris Abbott doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's amazing on the, on the camera, too. Yeah. So finding that volunteer in your church that really does have that charisma and personality is really helpful for whatever you're doing there. So I thought that was really a big win for you, too. Yeah. And I would kick it back to you. You know, the fun part about this is we were both there. You were there. So I don't know for the things that really stood out to you of what you thought worked. And then we could jump into the conversation of, of what really didn't work. Yeah. I liked the part where we had for the speaking, for like the pastor part, he didn't talk for a solid 40 minutes. It was broken into parts. Like there were sections of the sermon he would give, and then we might do something else, like do a worship song in between, or it just broke it up into parts. And I think that for a pastor, as a guy who used to speak every week to youth, um, one of the things I started doing was exactly that because they don't have the attention span for it anyway. And so if, and what it helped me do is focus in like, what do I really need to say in this part and what do I really need to say in this part? So it, then it became for me, like this first part's going to be theory. The second part's going to be practical. You know, I'm going to teach the Bible here. And then I'm going to say, here's what you do with that in the second part. And it just helped me divide my sermons and, and talks into, into a uh, very helpful, many sermons and the pressure just got to be less. So I can't imagine what that felt like for those guys to do that that way. Maybe it was uncomfortable. I don't know, but they seemed at ease, but it was really cool to see, you know, that we took it in bite-sized bits and then we'd switch to something else. Uh, The other plus was I felt like worship was not just the music. There was so much more going on with like scripture reading and testimonies and the, and the word and music. And it was all just kind of integrated and you didn't really know what was happening. You just kind of were along for the ride through a process and through an experience. And, and I thought that was really a big win that churches, especially if you're going to be online too, it just lends itself to that audience so much easier. And I think in person, it was nowhere near as jarring as you would expect. You know, it was just really well done. It was smooth. And I, I thought that was just really well done. Plus the room was cool. You know, it was a brick wall background and a, you know, warehouse <laughs> setting. So I dig that. But, uh, but I love the simplicity of worship. Like you said, everything was simple. And I think that was a huge win. And uh, everything seemed very accessible because it was so easy and nothing was complicated. And it wasn't like, go to this app and give, and then we got to do that, you know, all these different steps. It was just like, everything's kind of fluid. I don't know how to explain it really, but it was just simple. Everything was very simply done and simply explained, you know, worship was very, I don't want to call it low key, but oh, it was because it was, <laughs> it was like the band wise, it was low key because there was no band, but like I saw even during the pandemic, I saw churches that were huge, like North point, change how they presented worship on their live stream. You know, they would cut away to a pre-recorded worship set they did in a warehouse, just like what we did, but with a band. And it was like the full production of the band because they can afford to do that. But, and it was really well done, but they changed the setting to match something that worked better for that online space. And so I think there's just some thought to, to be had there, you know, not to do exactly that, but, you know, that when it comes to worship, the mix and everything you were talking about, 
it is a struggle and it, it is difficult to translate that part to a living room because you feel weird being the only one in your room, you know, having to turn your TV up really loud to sing because <laughs> you know, you're yeah. used to not hearing yourself over the band, you know? And so you're like, Oh wow, I'm terrible. <laughs> you know, or something like that. So I thought there were several wins and uh, for me, the community of it, it just, it didn't seem like it was focused on the program. That was the big thing. It was about people and, you know, just being there with them and actually talking with them and feeling like you're in community. So I, I felt all those things with it. And I think those were big wins. Yeah, that's huge. You, I love how much you picked up on all that because that was really what we were setting out, you know, from the very beginning to do. And we prayed hard about that. And we put a lot of time and thought on how to do that. But even that, and that's the fun part is when you get your creative team to sit down and, and think through, okay, let's, let's go back to the drawing board and design something. You start thinking through like, like which worship songs are we going to sing? And we chose like, we chose simple hymns. We chose songs that had a lot of, you know, repetitive words that you, so because you, th- again, think somebody on the couch you don't have really that big screen in their living room to show the word so we wanted something that they could easily like pick up on and sing and so yeah so there was a lot of intentionality about hey this is more about the community than it is a production Uh, this is more about people than a show And, and i again i think what was cool is like all of those things are you know biblical and they like it is like man i feel like this is what we should have been doing all along so and you hit something there too i wanted to i'm so glad you said it because it's it's a pet peeve of mine (laughs) and it has to do with worship one of the things i think it forced you to do was to choose certain songs over other songs and what i've noticed is like in worship music there's a this thing like we try to make songs difficult so that they sound more artful and I, I feel like even though sometimes it does hit that, it really makes the song difficult to pick up and sing with weird rhythms or strange beats or, you know, there being no real like good hook line or anything that's memorable that kind of gets stuck in your head. And I think when you're in a situation like what we were with the stripped down kind of deal, you have to really make those songs accessible. And so you chose songs that were familiar, chose songs that were singable, that had, you know, melodies that are, that are easy to pick up on. They weren't too crazy out of range, you know, like Hill songs, everything's in the key of B. And, you know, that's because they like that range and that's a good range for everybody. But everything was, was great, you know, for, for the in, in person and online. And so I feel like that part of it is something that, you know, as creative pastors and worship leaders are hearing this, maybe that thinking about like, even in your big production of stuff, making your worship song singable is something that is, you know, it's better than playing the newest song. Yeah. And and there's a whole lot behind the scenes in that experience that you're talking about. I wish we could do a whole episode on that. Even this idea of when it's a production, it's almost like, hey, we're the professionals. You watch us, which when that infuses throughout your church culture, we all know what that does from the worship to evangelism to ministry, right? Like, hey, we're the professionals, as opposed to we were really taking this posture that it's about getting everybody engaged and helping them create the experience. And so, for example, I think there's a lot of thinking we need to do about worship as opposed to putting on a performance and more get back to leading people into worship. And we talked a lot with uh, the worship leader, uh, 
Pastor Kondo and just said, hey, we want you to more, as opposed to just singing a song, lead people in the worship, lead people through the experience and, and help them navigate that. And that's why I was so glad you observed that from start to finish, everything was like the whoever was leading was leading everybody into joining and engaging in the experience, not just, hey, come listen to my sermon, come watch me. It was more like, hey, this is what we're going to do together at this part. Yeah. You didn't feel like you could just tune out and miss something. Yeah. Yeah. You felt like you can. And some, like you're talking about when announcements start, everybody pulls out their phone because it's not important. They don't care. There was no real part of the service like that for me. And I've been in church for 43 years. I get bored quick. I've <laughs> yeah. seen it all, man. You know, and I've done this before and I've been behind the scenes and I'm jaded and all that good stuff. And it's like, I wasn't bored and, and there wasn't anything that made me go, I don't really need this. And, and, I, and it was weird how you did that with such simple things. And I think there's a lesson there for churches when you start to think about how can we tweak our in-person to be more accessible because to the online space, because in that online space is where you really find out how much of your in-person service is kind of like that because you're in that kind of spectator position. And if, and if it's not interesting to watch, you're not going to do it much less participate in. So uh, lots there. Cool aside here, and this may be edited out for time, but I was hanging out at a mastermind group with a, an expert in uh, really kids in raising up kids in this digital world. And we were talking about the dangers of like kids on these platforms, you know, YouTube, there's so much that's bombarding them. And I was kind of asking them for their number one tip. I've got a, a 13 year old daughter. And so trying to navigate all that, what's, what should we do? And his number one tip was like, you got to understand the difference on these platforms from being a consumer to being a creator. And he's like, we try to get our kids as a creator because like, you can't do both at the same time. And so like, if you can go to these platforms and you're a creator, you approach them totally different than if you're just a consumer. And, and it's just now hitting me that that conversation about protecting our kids is the aha moment for creating this experience that's engaging is like, we never wanted to create consumers in this experience. And so like what you're saying, if you, if we're inviting everybody to be a creator, like it's not going to be boring because you are the one helping create the experience. So it, it, it moved everybody from that. Hey, uh, you're a consumer to know you're creating this with us. You're part of this community and we're all better because you're here and come alongside and help create the experience with us. And so that's just now hitting me. just kind of that parallel there. I was like, ah, and I think what's exciting is that many people are told, Hey, if you're not here, it makes a difference. And they go, yeah, not really. Right. Yeah. But in this, it may be because of the type of thing that you're coming to doesn't need them, you know? And, and that's why I, I push back on like paying professional, you know, musicians to be in your band. I know sometimes you have to do that. I'm not knocking it if you do, but I think the goal should be to have people you raise up in your church and be part of it, to volunteer, to be part of that ministry. And you're actually training them. So, you know, people feel a lot more connected to what's going on in the life of the church when they're part of making it happen. So anyway, I, I think, I think those are all really great wins, but I know some things didn't work. There's parts of what we tried that were like, this should work. And then it did not really pan out. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like what was it that didn't work? Yeah. So a couple big overarching principles, and I laugh looking back at this is 
one, like I would have be the first to raise my hand and admit like being a lead pastor is hard. I got to play one for one day and I was like, Oh my word. Like, and my mom was even like sending me a, she sent me a text. Like I'm ready to file my first complaint with belief church. Are you the lead pastor? <laughs> I was like, uh, so like, that was a good example, but it was just hard making all those decisions and finding the right balance and everything from song selection to, you know, what we were going to do. And so I was like, man, this is hard. Like in some hands, like this is awesome. The other hand, I'll be like, I got to quit. I also would say like change is incredibly is hard, you know, like changing it up and not getting stuck in our old patterns. And so, you know, I, I think I, this, what we tried probably really needs like hundreds of churches trying and experimenting and refining on it for years before you actually really come up with something that is like, Hey, that feels, you know, like something we could really do as a church wide. So, you know, the first time we ever did, this was the first time for us to ever do a church, you know, like a service like this. So like, there was a lot of little uh, mistakes and we even, as much as I said, Hey, we got to simplify. We had too much complexity, even at that, even uh, trying to be simple, we had too much complexity. Complexity. We were doing uh, both text message interaction, comment interaction, chatbot interaction, you know, all in the idea of making it as, ex, you know, the experience as engaging as possible. But we probably still had even too much uh, going on with that. You know, we had some snafus on some of the equipment and I could go on and on and on. So, like, it was a great beta test of something like this, but it certainly needs a lot of work. I'm not, not saying it's, it's perfect. And I even in the immediate aftermath use the analogy. It's like when you have a kid and for most babies, like, I feel like the vast majority of them are super ugly, but to the parents, like they're the most beautiful <laughs> thing in the world. Right. Yeah. Like to us. And I, that's what I felt like with this idea and experiment it was like, Hey, it's for a lot of people. You may watch and be like, that really wasn't all that great. But for me, it was like, man, we gave birth to this idea and it was beautiful to me, you know, for, for what it was. So was there anything that you were like, we, you know, we had the rule, if you do it in person, you do it online. Was there anything that just didn't translate? online? Well, we tried. I wish we had more ideas. For example, you and I talked a lot. You were helping us like on uh, the giveaways and stuff like that. I wish we could have done more. I think some of the ideas were so foreign that people didn't know what we were trying to do. Like they, we were on the journey, but I don't think they knew like what we were trying to accomplish. So for example, we wanted to do some fun giveaways in person that could also like be experienced in the digital experience. And so we loaded up an Amazon wish list with all these items that went with this sermon series. So people at the digital experience could go buy this wish list from Amazon. And then that way, when we were going through this sermon series, they could experience like we were talking about, you know, this fun thing or drinking, you know, root beer or whatever we were doing crazy wise, like they would already have the root beer, right? They would be able to almost unbox this fun package, you know, so we have, which was a great idea on paper. Right. Right. But which I think, a, I think, and I still would say, I think it's a great idea, but I think it's an idea that would almost have to be a part of the church culture where people in the digital experience, like, Oh, every sermon series has an Amazon shopping cart, has a Spotify playlist, have all these digital things that go with it. And it just becomes a part of the culture and people look forward to it. People order it. People know what to get. But whenever you're pioneering and you've got a, you know, an idea, a lot of times people are like, I don't know what you guys are trying to accomplish there. And so it just doesn't hit. Yeah. And you're right. Like some of it failed because we were trying to do too much because the point was, let's try everything that we could do. And, you know, looking back, we go, you know, if we were just <laughs> trying to do it well, 
we wouldn't do these things. Like one of the things I would suggest, I would say did not translate was trying to keep up with anything like on Instagram when it was streaming on Facebook. And so like having, it's like, you want me to leave Facebook to go to Instagram, to do a prize thing or to just be over there. Like, I'm just not going to do that. I can't be in two places at once. So it was kind of like, yeah, we had two audiences, but really it was a Facebook stream, you know, like that's really where we were having the service. And like you said earlier, don't be everywhere, you know, be in that one place. And that's one of the things I think that we feel like we needed to be on Instagram and we weren't even streaming live on Instagram. It was just, we were doing stories and in the moment stuff, which is great, but it's really for later. You know, it's for the people that missed it and come back later. And so linking back to that live from Instagram is valuable, but in the moment, it's not a huge pressure deal. And, you know, it's just one of those things that for me as an Instagram guy who loves that platform, I was like, I'm doing this, but I don't know if anyone is seeing it at all. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if that went super well, but, uh, but it's just one of those learning things. Like you realize, yeah, yeah. We've asked them to go over to Facebook. Why would they be here right now? So anyway, you have a kind of a captive audience. And I think a lot of churches are really all in on the Facebook thing. And Instagram is kind of an afterthought for, you know, service and community. It's really more of the vision casting life of the church in the moment stories that you might catch, but as far as live goes, it's a Facebook deal. That's that's kind of one of the things I saw. What else did you see that maybe didn't didn't work? Or maybe feedback you got? People were like, "I hated this." <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we got a little bit of feedback, and what was interesting is like uh, some people would kind of comment on it, but the, then the vast majority of the room like would go the other way and make other valid points. Uh, let me give you an example on that. We had a couple of people ask about the high profile nature of the video equipment. So for example, the communicator, like there was literally a camera front and center right in front of them. And so like some people were asking, was that distracting to the in-person experience? And so we kind of voted and there was a, a couple hands or two thumbs up that said, Hey, that was distracting. You know, it, but the vast majority of the room actually said no. And kind of an any interesting aha on that. And what was an interesting parallel is actually the story of Zacchaeus. And, the, and you see Zacchaeus, you see all these like church people trying to get to Jesus. You got this guy who's trying to get to him, but can't because all the religious people are elbowing him out. So he has to climb a tree to actually see what's going on. And, and we kind of think, man, what a missed opportunity for all these church people that did not say, hey, Zacchaeus, you're the one that needs a front row seat. Come and sit in the front row. You need to meet Jesus more than I do. Right. So like, so I was, you know, that was the big aha for a lot of people there is actually putting the digital experience front and center was a reminder that there are people on the other side of that camera lens that desperately need Jesus. And this is an important part of our vision and mission is giving them a front row seat, bringing them to Jesus. So we never want to see the Zacchaeus of the world as a distraction. And so for a lot of people, once you cast the vision of what we were trying to do, you realize that what could be a distraction, if this was about me observing and getting the best seat and seeing the best view, like it's actually a ministry opportunity. It's a reminder to us why we're doing what we're doing. And so like, those are the things like we got a little bit of feedback, but then we'd have most of the room that would be like, no, that was actually a good thing. It, It helped us remember what we were doing and what we were trying to do. So there was a lot of that, but I think ultimately the big, you know, what we've touched on is like, we tried to do every idea we've ever wanted to do in the one service. And really you probably, we probably should have spaced that out to like 
pick one idea and do that for that series. Come back, do another idea and, and stair step it. Not do yeah. it all at once. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we had like 70 or 80 people there who are professionals in the comms and marketing and uh, creative pastor world and all this. And we're here making this happen. And churches don't have that. You know, they don't have that level of skill available and that level of, you know, manpower available that, you know, we're trying to help them understand how to do that with volunteers. So there'll be a lot of training involved, et cetera. But you're right. I, I feel like a lot of it went super well. There wasn't a ton of negative feedback. I love the point about inviting people, having the digital up front so it reminds people of what, what it is we're about. Because I know when we have services, even in my church, you know, it's it's like I know it's being streamed because I'm in the band and I'm very conscious, like while someone's praying or something, I'm going to be still on screen and I don't need to do anything weird or, you know, laugh at somebody or, you know, act like I'm not paying attention. And so I'm, I'm very aware of that. But most people are not. So that's something that it reminds everyone, like we're a church that's bigger than with more people than what we have here. And yeah, that's and important. You're- bringing up a really important point too. It's not only a reminder for people there in person, but those people who are leading, it's a reminder to them that that experience digitally is just as important. So it almost puts them in the front and center of anybody that's on stage or communicating or leading is like, you can't forget about them because they're, they're front and center. And I, you know, that was something that we saw a lot of brands uh, like the NBA try to figure out a lot of people that start putting these big digital quote unquote audiences in during COVID is because like they wanted to make sure that the two weren't forgotten, you know? And so like, I think that is an important thing, especially to, if you have a lead pastor who might have a tendency to totally now forget that I'm also communicating and leading or a worship, right? So that was a good reminder for, for everybody in the in-person experience. So you mentioned that being a pastor was really tough and having done it for a little, just a short while, there's an element of delegation that goes into this that is very difficult because there's so many moving parts. Now you're talking about not only your in-person, but this online experience, this hybrid version. What did you learn about delegation through this? What, what kind of tips and tricks did you pick up? Maybe you realized, wow, I thought I was better at this and need to improve or whatever. What did you pick up that you could maybe pass on to someone else listening? Yeah, you're never going to be probably perfect at it. And so I think it's really just a commitment to, hey, this is where we're headed. Let's, and then truly empower and trust people. Like, you know, don't get into the micromanaging uh, side of it where you're just like, man, you know, you're sucking all the life out of it. Like those people are there and they're gifted and what they're gifted in for a reason. Like you got to see them as God's uniquely gifted them for that thing, just like he's uniquely gifted you for your thing. So if you're the lead pastor, you're not as gifted as the communications director, right? So like, let them really shine in the area that God's called called them to shine, but also know like it's never going to be perfect. So just be sure you're committed to the relationship and the ongoing adventure more than you are in on just even the thing itself, right? So like if you have the attitude that, hey, we're trying this or, hey, this is the vision and the mission, but ultimately at the end of the day, I'm more committed to the relationship, like Seth, you and I being friends and this adventure that we're on. And really, you know, when I retire as the lead pastor, like I look back and yeah, we did a lot of cool ministry, but it's all about the people. And so even though you're doing a task, it's not really first and foremost about that task. It's about the people that are on the journey together. And so keep the relationship priority first, right? So like if, if all else fails, if we, if we bomb, 
and but we're still friends and we're still on this discipleship journey together and we're still honoring God, that's more important than whatever task was at hand. And I think when you honor that, you have now the relationship to have a conversation to keep getting better at the thing that you're trying to get better at. Um, and I think so too many leaders are so you know, perfectionist driven, we got to get this task. And if we don't hit the task, then I'm burning the bridge on the relationship. You're out. You're not, you know, like if you're not for me and doing this task and you're, must be against me. And there's too much of that in the church world. And I think we just need to go back and say, it's about the relationship first. That is a way to go on this journey of getting better and and sharpening each other and, and honoring God more in these tasks for sure, but make it, keep it about the relationship. Yeah. And I think with when when you're delegating things, something that I've been learning as well is that I maybe I'm not as clear about what I need people to do as I think I am sometimes. And so it's when you're adding all these new tasks that I may not myself even understand what I need you to do. And I'm adding it to your list because I can't do it. There's just a need to take a little bit of more care with what you're asking people and go, okay, here's what I need you to do. Here's how it needs to happen. Here are the things you need to think through and now go do it. And I'll check on you. Let me know if you need help. That kind of thing is is difficult to do when you're running so many moving parts. And really you're talking about two groups of people in different locations coming together in one location that require different parts of your personality to talk to at the same time. So it is a it is a a bit of a dance when you have you have to have people helping you. And so I love the idea of a of an online pastor and someone maybe hosting, you know, things like that when you're thinking about staff and ways to hire to help you with bringing up the hybrid model to enhance that online experience, make it more real. Especially if your senior pastor is more apt to be the in-person guy and doesn't like to think about it or doesn't know how to think about it, bringing somebody on and staffing that position is really helpful. But if you don't have the budget for that, great volunteers, you know, can always get it done. But um, if there's a pastor out there wanting to embrace this and kind of like, I have no idea what to do. I know you run a lot of training seminars and stuff and a lot of classes and courses you have with Church Marketing University, but where should they start? How do they get training on all this? Yeah, I would actually say start with what we just uh, talked about and go go actually experience the service. And that way, because like we talked in the very beginning about the, the genesis of this idea is there's all this training, but we notice the block is like until people experience it, they're not going to really digest the training. So lots of great training out there, but I would say actually start with the experience. And here's my one guideline for you. If you go check out the experience and we pinned it at the top of the church marketing university, Facebook page is you have to participate. So you can't go to the experience and be a spectator and just watch it. If you are going to go you from start to finish, participate because that's the only way that you're truly going to understand the experience and how it makes you feel and how it draws you in. So don't go be a spectator. And that that would be my starting point is go actually go try out that experience. And then if you're listening to this podcast, man, just keep this uh, at the top of your list and and you're in great hands with Seth and and just make sure you're going on this journey because nobody's got all the answers and we're all just trying to figure it out. So, I mean, for those people who are already this deep into this podcast, you're in good hands. Uh, So that would be my, my top two suggestions. 
I appreciate that. I, and I would say the same for you, that Church Marketing University is a great place to go. You're always trying things. You're always updating. You're always trying to innovate and find that next thing that we can help people reach more people, both in person and on the in the digital space. And so this is, you know, I didn't know where you had that. So I'm glad you mentioned it. It's, at the, it's in the Facebook group. We're going to put a link so people can go and join the Facebook group and get to that link to see that service and experience that. But also you can go to churchmarketinguniversity.com right? That's the website? That's correct. Yep. All right. Churchmarketinguniversity.com. And there's a ton of courses and all kinds of stuff for all things, digital marketing, et cetera, all those things, leadership stuff, social media stuff, just a plethora and very, you like that word? That's a good word. Oh, yeah. That's on my uh, oh, word yeah. of the day toilet paper today. Plethora. Now it's a, uh, it, there's so many ideas and so many helps and, and freebies and things like that available as well as just their great courses and, and, paid stuff. That's amazing. But uh, check that out, churchmarketinguniversity.com. In fact, you have some scholarships available and stuff too for that, right? What's what's the scholarship program? Yeah. So there's actually two really great options on this. So if you're just starting out, you're like, Ryan, we don't even have a budget. Just go to the slash free page, churchmarketinguniversity.com slash free and start there. Pick one of the resources and start with a, like where you're at. If you've got a little bit of resources, actually go to the slash scholarships churchmarketinguniversity.com slash scholarships. And you can get a scholarship right now uh, for, uh, it covers your complete church marketing university enrollment. And specifically if, if you're a church under 200, that's going to be the perfect fit for you. So those are two resources, you know, for the, the churches that are financially stretched, which I feel like is like 98% of us yeah. right now uh, that, that we can be a blessing to you there. Awesome. And and one of the things I love about you, man, is just how freaking generous you really are with all of this. And I appreciate that. I know everybody else does too. So I appreciate that. Thanks for, for sending that out. Um, thanks for coming on the show, man. This has been a really fantastic conversation. Any last advice you wanted to give for, for those seeking out this hybrid model? Yeah, I would just say start small. Don't feel like you've got to get it all solved right away. Pick one thing that you're, you're church can do to get a little bit better. Maybe it's just simply the words you say. Maybe instead of say, hey, thanks for those of you who are watching online, you just say, hey, thanks for those who are gathered with us worshiping together today uh, digitally. Like, even if it's just a little bit of, hey, we're going to make a little bit of baby step progress, because I think a lot of times we think, man, we've got so far to go that that paralyzes us. So start small, pick a little bit of a way, celebrate your progress, and then just keep building off of that would be my number one suggestion. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Always a pleasure to have you. Let's do it again. This is always a ton of fun. And it has been a ton of fun being with you all today as well. Thank you for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. We will be back again with more incredible church comms and church marketing, church leadership stuff in the next week. So thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and we'll see you then. 